0: Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon, depending on where you're at. And uh, well, we got a lot to talk about, and I'm really excited um, to have uh, my guest here, a friend of mine, uh, a great guy all the way around, and uh, he truly is a, a, a person who's dedicated his life to disaster response. And so, uh, Tom McClency he has a extensive background uh, if you take a look at what he's doing uh, regarding re- if it's volunteer organizations such as team Rubicon that he's a part of uh, he's also been working hard uh, in uh, incident management teams and alike and well you know what so just talk about him. let's bring him in the show Tomer welcome to the program hey
1: how's it going
0: how, how, how are things going with you how is the family <clears throat> life and the, and the new baby
1: yeah things are going great you know it's Every day is pretty cool with a new child. It's um, it's been eye opening, <laughs> but it's been wonderful. All good stuff.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I tell people all the time. I said my my view on life changed when I had my first kid. You know, as far mm-hmm. as the way things go, and um, you know, going into what's happening over in Turkey and, and Syria, um, you know, the, the it's devastating. And the other day uh, when they pulled out that baby, young baby, not. Infant, um, she was probably like two years old, um, out mm-hmm. of the rubble pile alive. I mean, like that, that, that right there, you know, gave, uh, yeah, brought a tear to my eye because I'm so happy that the, that family was able to survive. But it looks like it's not. Time is not on the people's side. They were stuck in the rubble pile at this point. No, it looks um, like
1: it's running pretty thin right now. I was, I was catching up on it this morning. It looks like it's, you know, unfortunately, we're moving from search and rescue to search and recovery soon.
0: Yeah. Uh, this morning's news report was 20,000 uh, reported dead yep. um, and, of course, countless injuries um, across the board. And I know aid from American rescue teams are, are on the way, um, but, uh, you know, is it, is, it, is it enough and is it fast enough? And, you know, the other day I was having a conversation uh, with somebody and um, they were saying how um, they're wondering why we're spending uh, time and money uh, sending people over there and talk a little bit about this, because I know this is one of the areas that you work hard in, um, instead of spending money and time here on, on our problems, such as homelessness. And I don't think it's a zero sum game. I I think we can do both. And, and I was telling this individual that, Hey, you know, we, we're working hard on homelessness issues here in the United States already. It's not taking money away from, uh, from them. Um, why, why should we be participating in international aid like this?
1: to me, it's, it's, it's all about dignity, right? You know, we, we, everyone's life matters. And, and so um, just because you were not fortunate enough to be in the United States or in in, in other first world countries that have such amazing resources, um, you know, doesn't mean you aren't worthy of dignity and respect. And, 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 you know, in my work right now, I've been very fortunate to learn, right? Like there is a lot of dignified there's, excuse me, there's a lack of dignified response to people experiencing homelessness, right? Whether that's by their own systems and, you know, incarceration, addiction, homelessness, whatever, or natural disasters like, like Syria and Turkey, um, you know, and, and running the gamut, everything in between. Um, th- there's so much there that can be um, extrapolated, right? And at the end of the day, we, it transcends borders and it, it's about doing what's right as a good human, Right. And, and being involved in that side of things. And, and it's less, you know, I'm not saying we got to, you know, forgive everything and, and forget everything that's happened that maybe have transgressed us. But, you know, there's a time to play the politics game. There's a time to just be a good person and and send aid, whether that's shelter, whether that's food, water, fuel, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, and, and the other side of that is emotional support. Right. You know, one of the things that it, I, I think that isn't talked about as often is the, the lived trauma that comes out of this. Right. You know, we've successfully in this situation learned that you know, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people are going to be affected emotionally, mentally, yeah. and physically in a way that, you know, will likely affect them for the rest of their lives in a, in a, in a manner that mm-hmm. is hopefully not. Too bad, but it could severely impact their life.
0: No, absolutely, and you know, and and we have a couple of different issues here that 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 are facing the globe right mm-hmm. now with this particular um, earthquake. And if we go back to we'll talk about Team Rubicon here for for a minute,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, Team Rubicon was born out of the earthquake that struck Haiti, and and there are similarities between the the Haiti earthquake and and what's happening here in in Turkey and Syria in the sense of, you know, we think of the three places that come to mind. There might be more. So if there's other places, please correct me. You put it in the comments, but I think of Chile, the United States um, and Japan with the seismic activity that happens there. And the fact that we create building codes and although after Earth goes 99s, Earthquake in Turkey, um, which was very devastating, they created building codes. But you got to remember that this part of the the world has buildings that are thousands of years old, right? That are you know basically you know rubble at this point. There's some there was a, a fort that they showed that mm-hmm. um, has had issues, and then like you know everything else was built before those building codes came in, uh, weren't really built to great standards you know i've I've been in that part of the world um i i understand you know how what the building codes are like or how the building is or was at least i I haven't been there in 20 years but you know (laughs) i i get that part of it so this is what we're facing over there is these buildings that weren't necessarily built to the american chile japanese earthquake standards right
1: And, and that brings a great question is you know we 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 provide a lot of research right there's a great facility down in UC San Diego. Um, they have like the make it, shake it, break it building. Um, and it's it's like a seismic floor. And um, engineers will go in there and build houses and structures um, at scale. And then, you know, they, they will test it to failure, right? And, and so um, pretty cool thing that, that we have to test it. And it's very awesome that we can use that, faci- that facility to, to learn. And I'm sure there's others around the country and, and probably around the world. But um, the reason I, I say it is, you know, even looking after 99, when they established these building codes, right? There's something to be said, you know, about the the lack of control or um, enforcement of these building codes, mm-hmm. right? We were looking at some of these buildings that are definitely not thousands of years old; they're probably maybe 20, 30, 40 years old, right? Um, but there was no enforcement on that, and and you know. Our hindsight is always twenty twenty. Here, um, we certainly see that there's an option for improvement, um, and it, it's hoping that the next time we this happens, it's it's not as catastrophic, and that we have educated and enabled these communities to to hopefully become a lot more resilient. You know,
0: that's a that's a that's a huge point about that like making it, helping these communities become more resilient. I have a, a, an acquaintance of mine who's over who worked with the UN, uh, worked with NATO uh, specifically uh, and is now working right now um, in the uh, well I guess they're not in specifically uh, Ukraine right now but they were in Ukraine before mm-hmm. the war broke out. We're really rebuilding using emergency management standards to rebuild after after a war. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and we had a conversation regarding going into Aleppo and and into Syria when that country stabilized, when it was safe to send, send rescuers, Mm -hmm. not rescuers, but people to help rebuild the community there. Mm -hmm. And, but the thing is, is we, we take a look at this outside aid of of experts and engineers and these countries have experts and engineers and it's Mm -hmm. not like they, they're very, you know, it's not that they're lacking in it yeah right they're very capable of doing this um whether we give them uh, monetary support or or just a you know help with the direction but what i found very interesting and serious specifically is um the white hats and it's a basically a volunteer organization the, of doctors and paramedics i suppose if uh, they have that standard but that very well-trained people in, in, in those, in the medical side um, and other things to go help rescue people. Um, and they're doing a t- fantastic job over there. And I was looking to this, watch this interview with one of them, the white hats, and they were saying like, yeah, they're, they're just beaten to the ground. They need that additional support. They need the additional people to come in and mm-hmm. help out. So it's not that they're helpless, but at this particular juncture with what is going on, they've exceeded so yeah. overwhelmed.
1: Yeah. You know, but even in the States, we have those, you know, we have those processes in place, right? Expanding incidents, right? When you realize that you've tapped out what you can locally, you ask the next big resource next to you, whether that's the city to the County and the County to the state and state to the federal government, or, you know, whatever that kind of looks like. Um, I, I, what I find more interesting right now with, with Syria is um, you know the, the politics are really getting involved in, in, in the response and the recovery here, right? Um, you know, Basar al-Assad um, has been requesting aid, but the UN and the EU and the United States have, have been kind of unable to get in because of um, opponents to Basar in their territory, Basar al-Assad in, into his territories, um, into their territories, I should say, um, have been kind of refusing aid. Um, And it's disheartening because there's the the spotlight has been primarily on Turkey. And I think it's because we have so much open access into this country, whereas Syria still seems pretty closed off from the rest of the world here.
0: Yeah. And and they are definitely hurting in in Syria. And we just don't know the
1: magnitude. The problem is we don't know the magnitude in Syria because it's, it's such a closed off country, I would say.
0: I worked with a humanitarian aid organization um, out of Canada uh, and it's called Focus on Humanity and it's it's a, a Muslim led yes. organization and it's really really do they do fantastic work and um their Aga Khan is the guy who created this funded this thing and it's a very interesting organization if you if you guys don't know much about it you should look t- take a look at them um but one of the things that working with them, we're able to do was be able to help out organizations, countries that did not want to have Western influence, right. Because of whatever they're afraid of, of, of Western, you know, religion coming in to try to change um, them. Right. Actually, I don't re- I don't really think most aid organizations are, are about that, but you know, that's, that's their, their take on things. Um, and, and so we have, we have to help fund organizations such as, you know, them you know focus on humanity uh to be able to get into places like syria which are very you know anti-western influence right i mean sure yeah um but how do we how do we do that i mean like we're talking about team rubicon here in a minute because both of us you and i uh, both are part of team rubicon and um and I, i think they're a great organization but how does an organization like say team rubicon um able to break those barriers and to be able to um to get into or- to places that normally Western um, aid organizations can't.
1: So that's a great question. I think um, I think you know with organizations, specifically like Team Rubicon, we're you know and obviously this is quite biased, <laughs> but um, we have the ability to transcend. You know, maybe some of those. Western influences, right? A lot of those Western influences derive from Judeo-Christian values, right? And so, uh, for a lot of that, we have the um, in Team Rubicon. There, there's, you know, there's no Judeo-Christian values in the sense of like um, they're at forefront. They're just general basic do-gooders, right? And, and and a lot of that is because they don't care if you are. Jewish, Muslim, Christian, um, you know, they, they, they care if you're willing to help. And because of that, we have the ability to send the right people there to, to kind of help negotiate and open those doors. Um, and as much as it pains me to say, but you know, that, that does play a huge part of it for us. Um, but also team Rubicon on the world stage has has shown time and time again, that in the, in countries, um, outside of the U S outside of Western influence countries, um, we roll up our sleeves and get it done. doesn't matter who you are. We're just going to come and help you. Um, And that's not to say other organizations don't do it, but it's rather to say that, um, you know, sometimes organizations like the red cross, right. Kind of a Christian symbol um, is is hard for them to, to compete in those countries. Um, and, And there's a lot of like the Arab red crescent and all those organizations that are wonderful, that do great work. Um. You know, I'm looking at kind of what's been happening, and here in Turkey and Syria, and it was so cool to see countries, um, even those who aren't in good relations or have any relations with either Turkey or Syria, have uh, opened up aid. Um, namely, Israel. Israel's even opened up, has agreed to send um, aid into Syria, even though they have no diplomatic ties. Right. Which, you know, kind of just transcends that pol- that politics level, all right? And that policy. Um, it, it's really not about you know who you are where you're from it's about being a good person um and so that's been very exciting to see and and as someone who who believes that there's much good in the world and we need to focus a brighter brighter spotlight on it um this this makes me happy to see that this is happening um and that we are really transcending that and coming together as a as a you know a world world yeah yeah
0: you know, I I'm sorry, I can't see the name of, of who posted this it's from LinkedIn and it's really large, so I really can't can't display it. But it, I'll read this. It says people are incapable of envisioning enormity of the various response capabilities and the massive numbers of skills that contribute to these operations. People that make blanket statements, negative statements, simply don't understand that dollars don't equate effort. It's true. And they aren't the same things, even when we talk about them in the same uh, sentences. No, you're you're absolutely right, and I'm sorry I, I can't give you credit because it just says LinkedIn user. Um, uh, if if you can post in the LinkedIn who your name, and I'll I'll, I'll say it. But um, you know, it's absolutely true. I mean, we're going back to the first conversation regarding you know is there either or? Um, I, I don't. There's there's not a zero sum some game um, here, and and the idea here is that we do need to have well, the world needs to come together for this event. I mean, let's put this into perspective. It was a seven point eight earthquake, right? And I freak, my friends who are geologists and, and, and experts of this, you know, you guys are gonna kill me for this. So if you guys could put down the tons, but I one of the guys I was talking to, um, he's called the earthquake dude on TikTok. You Follow him; he's awesome. He's a, a he's a he's a, a professor uh, of of geology and, and seismology. Awesome dude. Um, he he was saying something that was like it's like the equivalent of like ten. Or 20 something please forgive me for the for the, the numbers but it's a large amount of nuclear bombs hitting in one location so put that in perspective bigger than like the bombs that we dropped right so that's what the 7.8 is like so the devastating effect on that now to boot on the aftershocks that are occurring there was an additional 7.5 now I this imagine. is where they're not sure was it the aftershock or was it an additional earthquake because it was in a different location on a different fault although part of the same system so realistically they got hit with a 7.8 and a couple days later or maybe even hours, like i don't remember exactly how many hours it was but it was very close together and a 7.5 within the same say 48 hour time period um that's amazing that is it's just unfathomable what what that means and it, the ground shook for like a minute and 30 seconds that's right? unreal and, and and so and it feels probably for the people that were in that earthquake it probably felt like an hour and 30 minutes mm-hmm. you know so i mean it was just shaking for forever um and then to be hit with all of the aftershocks So the aftershocks are bigger than the northridge earthquake just, you gotta you gotta fathom the amount the of was bigger than the northridge right
1: we're looking so at again, a 6.7 for northridge in 92 and i mean it at the time, we had decent building code, and it rocked L.A. I mean, it rocked the greater Southern California region pretty well. Um, you know, it's just imagine it being one whole, you know, level of magnitude above that. and I mean, it, it did unimaginable work. And and still
0: with that, you know, 15, 20-minute drive out of the epicenter area, out of the damaged area, you can still go to In-N-Out and grab a burger. You know, it was still operational, right? This earthquake was so large that in it, it was felt in Israel. It was, it was knocking groceries off the shelves in Beirut, right? Unreal. You, you know, so I mean, it, it, that's very far away. Just by the way, from 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 the epicenter, um, and it was felt into Eastern Europe as well. I mean, it was this is this is a huge. This is not just this one little area, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. You can't, this is the other problem with this, right? It's not just the earthquake and the damage of the buildings. It's taken out infrastructure, electricity, uh, water, uh, heating. The, the people are, Fuel, are it's, yeah, and it's winter it. time over there guys, you know? So they're stuck in, in the elements and it's not just like, you know, Hey, they walk out and they can go sleep on the beach or where it's, you know, whatever. Uh, um, it's, it's cold. Um, uh, there's food is, is, is lacking. Basic sanitation is lacking. And so, the, the, if you think of this right and put it in perspective, we talk about the cascading effects of disaster. Um, the earthquake is one thing, but now we have a, a, a humanitarian and health crisis going on with everybody who can't get into warm homes or warm buildings, uh, can't get sanitized sanitation, can't get warm food. or or food in general can't get clean water you know this is all compounding this cascading effect on this disaster it's more than just buildings that collapsed with the people who died in those buildings and that's tragedy is enough but this is something that we're gonna we're gonna have talk about disaster migration uh what do we do with those hundreds of thousands of people um that 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 can't stay
1: there you know absolutely right um and disaster, disaster migration is, is something that affects all disasters, um, you know, in areas that are more impoverished than others. We see um, higher links of migration away, right? Um, at some point, it just becomes too much for you to rebuild, um, too traumatizing, too much money, whatever the case may be. And you just say, I'm going to go build some, I'm going to go live somewhere else. Um, and, and you know, sometimes that's the United States, right? And that also comes into why um, it's in our interest to help there, um, not because we don't want we don't want people here, but we want people to not feel they need to leave their area because of what happened. If that makes sense, you know, we want them to stay there and we want them to have their life that they already had there. Um, you know, that's that's their home, and you know, I, we don't want them to leave their home because it's damaged. We want to help them. Stay in their home, kind of thing, um,
0: and 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 for people who've never been in that area, that that part of the world is is really beautiful, actually, gorgeous, yeah, yeah. gorgeous and it's, and it's it's very it's very much you know it's a great place to to to, to live. It's just this gorgeous area. It's full of history. It's the it's a just I can't say enough about it. Um, you know, so I don't think the people that are there want to leave necessarily. You know, for sure. Um, but where do we, where do we put them? Like, do, you know, I mean, there's other parts of Turkey, I guess, that aren't impacted, but do they have the services and the infrastructure to be able to take in an additional 100,000 to, you know, I don't know exactly millions. how many buildings are, are people are displaced right now, but I know mm. it's, is it millions or is it just into,
1: I mean, it, but it could just be hundreds of thousands now, but we're looking at, you know, migratory effects, right? It's not just here. You know, you, you look at people. Um, you know, there were people from Syria who were in, 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 you know, camps in Turkey trying to flee the violence. Right. right. You, have the, you have all of that migratory pattern there. It, I mean, it's it's so bad. And if you think that eventually these people are probably just going to settle there, is the city, are those places going to have the infrastructure to support the hundreds of thousands, potentially millions of people that are going to be living there. And as those other places um, either get abandoned or rebuilt.
0: I mean, we had that problem with with people migrating from from New Orleans, right? Totally. And and the issue wasn't just, you know, people just decided, hey, I don't want to live in New Orleans anymore. I mean, that's that's one part of it. But the other thing too is the 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 base of New Orleans lost fifty percent of its population at one point. Um and are still, I think last time I looked, it was like twenty percent down from where they were pre Katrina. Now you go okay whatever people move to where they want to Houston or California or wherever they move to um but it's it's the really impacts the way the culture of of that city that of what's going on there the, that lack of people there's a whole bit, bunch of reasons why you know disaster migration is not good for the individual but it's also bad for the region right you know so let's say how many years is it going to be before you know, these cities are, 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 rebuilt. They're not going to be the same as they were before ever. Right. And so we talk about the concept of resiliency uh, and being able to be anti-fragile. You need those people who made that their home and made that where they want it to be. And, and when I talk about cultural differences, it's not just about religion and stuff like this. It's like you, Los Angeles has a complete different vibe and culture, than new york city does right and I've, I've lived in both areas um and the thing is is like yeah it's, it's a complete different culture vibe what it is what you do um you know and, and so just think about so shifting those things around that's what i'm talking about right <laughs> if you if you took you know uh, a million people out of New York City and plucked them into into Los Angeles. They 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 would be like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> you know, and totally. can, could Los Angeles um, handle that that influx of of a million people? Right. And so that's just the idea behind it. It's um, so rebuilding. The best case scenario is quickly going in and and stabilizing the situation and rebuilding that area so that people can be in their home where they want to be, where they totally where they love. You know you know i talked to some people who who moved out of new orleans after um after the hurricane they came here to california and they miss it they they miss you know they're here they're settled their kids are it's a different vibe. right and and but they they'll say oh yeah man i i really missed going back home and and they long for it but there's just nothing there for them anymore their house is totally. gone the, you know and and they're here they're stable here they're happy here but they still kind of miss that feeling of being home
1: yeah, well, I think everyone would agree. You know, uh, home is where home really is where the heart is. In that case, is like you know, people from from all these places. Like I'm I'm home now, and I love it here, and I'm happy, and it's wonderful. Um, and then I look at other places, and you like you're happy, and you're ho- and you're home, and whatever. And it, it it would be terrible to think that you know we would have to be displaced, and you know maybe we would have to live in you know, Bozeman, Montana suddenly, and well, Bozeman, Montana would be terrible, but <laughs> Bozeman, Montana from, <laughs> from Southern California would be a big change for us. And, you know, yearning to go back would 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 definitely be at the, you know, a constant thought in my head. Um,
0: yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's, I mean, you know, we live in earthquake country. um, and, and looking at this, you know, earthquake that's happening over in Turkey and Syria um, really puts a perspective of of how southern california northern california for that matter you know how what does it look like if that san Andreas fault uh ripped open uh today um you know i i'm assuming my house would be okay i mean it's you know built in a build 1965 it's been through a few earthquakes um but i don't know right you know you, you never know until it's it's been tested um,
1: yeah and i I, I think that we almost have a complacency in our mind because we believe that our houses have been built to a specific code. Um, and often, and this goes for me too. my house was built in the 80s. Um, but, you know, my the house is designed to be, to survive the earthquake, not meant to live in it after.
0: Yeah, good point.
1: Right, you know, our houses are built to the code to protect us during the earthquake, not necessarily for it to be inhabitable after. It's the kind of just that like first aid kind of thing. Yeah, for these buildings, um, and you know, I hope like for minor earthquakes, whatever. before the big one, I don't imagine our houses would be inhabitable. I think they would be condemned.
0: Yeah, they, they may be. I mean, I'm looking around my <laughs> looking around my office right now, going, "Oh man, you know, There's so um... many sharp objects." <laughs> <laughs> you know, so covered hold on me. for sure is, is what we have to do. Um, yeah, I, I I just look at this and, and go, you know, let I think people should take really a, a severe look. Um, at what is happening over there in in Turkey and Syria right now, what we can do to send aid, because I'm telling you, if we have that 7.8, we're going to be looking for aid um, as well. Oh, you know, Mexico, another, Mm -hmm. another, uh, I I was thinking about countries. Mexico has done a lot with, with earthquake standards as well. And actually they probably um, in some cases are, are probably better off um, with their, the way they train their, their people um, you know, with the, with their shakeout day, uh, where everybody does the evacuation. And, um, I, you know, that's another country. I was, I'm sure there's others out there that are, that are, sure that are good too, but those are the ones that just popping into my, into my head. So we're going to hear close to the end, you know, um, this is something that we're going to have to be monitoring as disaster response workers, um, for, for many years, uh, h- humanitarian aid workers, uh, you know, they're waiting to get in. I, I've been reading some uh, groups that are just waiting to get in. They're waiting for it to yeah. be getting that green light, the safety issues and stuff like this um, to, to go in. We're we're gonna have a humanitarian uh, crisis going on um, for for Seriously. for a bit here. And my my hearts and heart and prayers are, are going towards the people of Syria and, and and Turkey right now, and anybody who's responding and, and involved in this. Um, it's it's not going to be an easy the easy day um at all and uh it's just it's just devastating absolutely you know uh real quick everybody i'm going to show this real quick uh we you can find more information on what we're doing at the emergency management network and you can find this by going to emnetwork.substack.com um i'm going to be writing an article specifically about uh earthquake response and humanitarian aid uh, today or we'll be going on Sunday. If you want to subscribe, I uh, would love to have you. Uh, it'd be great. Hey Tomar, thanks for being here. Um, thanks for having me. And uh, um, well, we'll be right back with you. Hey everybody, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And and you know this is such a devastating event um, in Turkey and in Syria and the whole region is impacted. Uh, if you can give, please do. Find the organization that you believe in that you believe is good. Um, that is responding uh, and and give to them if you can Um, you know that's the only thing I can say is if you can't obviously respond uh, we can always give with with donations and uh, with our our aid here from, from the United States so everybody until next week please seriously stay safe stay hydrated